bitch and a witch. We will let you decide which one's which, I suppose, but I am Chad. And I'm Sam. And we started a podcast, so, <laughs> um, yeah, for pardon our uh, awkwardness here, but we will figure things out as we go, I suppose. But I guess we will start out by talking a little bit about ourselves, uh, just for those of you who may not know us. So yeah, like I said, I am Chad. We met actually through work, I guess. We started working at the same place at the same time. Oh, did we start at the same well, time? Well, no, we didn't start at the same time, but that's... Yeah. I, I know when first. I started, you and Emily were in Salem. Oh, really? Okay. So that was September at one point. I don't remember what year that was. A few years back. Two, three years? Something like that. Sure. Yeah. Who knows what year it is anyways. Uh, <laughs> what is time anymore? I, I really couldn't tell you. I've lost track. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So we were working out at the same place. We were doing something very exciting, which is looking at medical records and sending them to people who needed them. Oh, boy. Uh, so we learned lots of interesting facts through that job. I don't know if we're ever going to talk about any of that stuff, uh, but we potentially could. Um, could we? Legally? I mean, well, I guess if not we're not specifics. mentioning names. Exactly. Not specifics, but we could potentially talk about some <clears throat> funny things. Like all the sketchy shit that goes on in Massachusetts? Uh, lots of sketchy shit goes on in Massachusetts, but <laughs> I would still recommend going to Salem. It was beautiful. Yeah. Hopefully, um, you know, if we can uh, ever travel again, if we can ever, and I will go in. Yeah, we're still, uh, the jury is out on that one. We might not ever get to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, where we're from, I thought maybe people would care to know. Uh, we are from Indianapolis currently, but I was... Raised on the west side. I guess I've always lived here, never really moved out. But Sam is not originally from here. Actually, I am originally from here, but oh. <laughs> we moved to North Carolina when I was a teenager. Okay. Um, and then I moved back when I was 21, unfortunately. I had to come back, but <laughs> I'm here for now. But you met me, so was it worth it? Yeah. Yes, it was worth it. Let me answer that <laughs> since you hesitated. It was totally worth it. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, a little bit about us. We've been here and there, but we live in Indiana at the moment. Um, Both have aspirations to get out of here eventually. It would, I would like to at some point. I guess we will see. I don't but, think anybody ever really wants to live in Indiana. We just yeah, kind of do. We just kind of do. It happens, and then next thing you know, you're dead. <sighs> yeah. I guess you wouldn't know. I don't know. Maybe you would know, or maybe you wouldn't know if you're dead. Jury's out on that one, too. That's true. So I guess we won't know until we're dead. <laughs> until we're dead, and then we may or may not know that we are dead. So um, I don't know one interesting thing about <laughs> took myself. A dark turn. It, I, that's okay. That's it's fine. We're dark people. It happens. That's true. Um, I don't know if anybody cares about interesting facts about us, but I figured we would maybe throw some out there, or at least one. Um, I've come up with one thing about myself, which is that I love collecting gnomes. I've got. I actually lost count. I think I've got between 40 and 50 gnomes. And Sam somehow didn't notice them the first several times she was at my house. <laughs> Apparently I'm just not that observant. <laughs> um, so they are garden gnomes, I guess would be what most people call them. But I keep them inside for the most part. You've also got tr creepy trolls. I've got trolls. I've got a Krumpus. Um, His I've, wife likes to collect dead things. Uh, my wife does collect dead things. <laughs> I am okay with it. I was not sure how I felt at first, but I realized... I'm also into it, so my, I guess I should clarify that probably. She means skeletons. We collect skeletons. I mean, if you were collecting actual, like, rotting corpses, I don't <laughs> think they would last very long. No, no. Just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> and also, it would smell terrible. It would smell very bad, which I'm not a fan of. I'm a very well, scent-oriented person. I guess one way of collecting dead things is taxidermy. That's true. People do collect dead things through taxidermy, and they which don't. Is I would rather have skeletons than, like, stuffed animal bodies or stuffed bodies of any kind. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. However, Emily, I'm pretty sure she's being serious, but for a while she's been saying that we are going to get our dog taxidermied when he passes away because we can't let him go. Just just cremate him and put a little urn. You can have a little bub shrine above <laughs> the fireplace. We could. I, would... I mean, your house is already a bub shrine. It is a bub shrine. We have several pieces of artwork and etc with his face on it so we will see i suppose if we actually taxidermy him but i think she's being serious when she talks about it so sam does not approve i you know what taxidermy freaks me out <laughs> i can deal with the skeletons yeah taxidermy is where i draw the line no i mean that's understandable it's a pretty odd thing to uh get into but I don't it know. just makes me think of norman bates yeah yeah that's fair and his mother. <laughs> and his mother. <laughs> huh. 
So that's an interesting thing. A, a few interesting things about me that you've now learned. I don't know if Sam has anything she wants to throw out. I'm not. I, t- I told you already. I'm not an interesting person. I disagree. Well, what's an interesting thing about me then, Chadwick? An interesting thing about Sam is that... Other than the fact that I'm an asshole. <laughs> you're, sh- you're showing our hand. The audience is supposed to decide which one of us is the bitch. It's going to be pretty evident pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, so an interesting thing is that... Mm-hmm. See, I'm not so, an interesting no, person. No, you are. I'm just... I don't come up with things very well on the spot. Interesting fact, I'm wearing neon green eyeshadow today. Okay, you are. That is a very interesting fact. And it looks good. Oh, thank you. I might I might say. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still wearing it, so you don't hate it that much, apparently. Listen, I was on a time crunch. <laughs> but we already got started later than we planned. Ooh, we did. That's true. That's so I fine. was like, fuck it, I'm gonna leave. And then I was like, I'm going to wash it off before I go to work, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, okay, but I think it looks good. So oh, thanks. So there's my opinion on it. At least somebody thinks it looks good. <laughs> my husband said it looked good, so. Yeah, there you go. Two people. <sighs> yeah, I don't know if I trust his opinion. Fine. Not yours, my husband's. No, I, I knew. I knew what you meant. Okay. So, should we talk about our main topic for the day? Okay. So, okay. you want to get into it? Yes. So, what we're talking about today um is going to be parasocial relationships now when we were talking about ideas this is something sam brought up and when she's just said parasocial relationships i was like what the fuck is that and then as we actually started doing research and as she kind of explained what it is i was like oh i know what that is so i think that's probably something similar a lot of people are going to go through when you hear the name you might not recognize it but when you know what it is you will probably be like oh yeah that's that's that thing that's the name for it I think people are definitely familiar with the concept of parasocial relationships. They just probably don't know that it has a name. Yeah, that's um, a good way to put it. But the definition that I found from the National Register of Health Service Psychologists says it is a one-sided relationship where one person extends emotional energy, interest, and time, and the other person, who they refer to as the persona, is unaware of the other's existence. Um, examples of this would be celebrities, such as actors, musicians, um, professional athletes, um, even fictional characters, like characters in books or fictional television shows, such as Game of Thrones. Or That's correct. People get extremely attached, and it's pretty much a one-sided affair. Yeah. Um, we will get more into it, but kind of the idea that these personas or these media personalities are intentionally a lot of the time intentionally trying to make you feel like you know them on a personal level Mm -hmm. when you very clearly do not i think um i also i watched a ted talk um the person doing the ted talk was jennifer barnes she was a psychology professor at the uh, university of oklahoma and i think that she sort of like sums it up in layman's terms the best which is a relationship you form with someone that you don't know based on the media that you consume about that person. Yep. You know, in the case of fictional characters, it would be movie, television, books, things like that. Um, you know, and then nowadays with celebrities, it's social media a lot of times. Um, before the internet and social media, it was, you know, things like magazines, like tabloids. and Like interviews. Um, one of the early things that was happening from what I was reading is kind of like, so it kind of started on television. Yeah. Um, so it was actually the, the term parasocial relationship was was pretty much coined by two psychologists, uh, D. Horton and R. Wool. Uh, that was actually in 1956. So a lot of these things did not exist at that time point, like Instagram, obviously. So it kind of started around television. And it was a lot of like talk show hosts, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you can kind of think of it where they started talking directly to the camera. That's that's sort of like the early stages of this. So they're talking to the camera. You feel like they're actually talking directly to you. And it just starts this weird mental game a lot of people play, whether yeah. they realize it or not, where you start reacting as if you're actually there in person. You have this actual relationship with this personality. And you know them on a personal level. And it sort of evolved from there. But that's that's kind of the start of it. Like these TV, TV show hosts, talk show hosts. Um, Hollywood actors where they became a big enough personality that they started putting this stuff out there. I feel like a really good um, early example would be like in the 60s with 
the Kennedys. Yeah, that's um, a good point. They really, I mean, they were the first, to my knowledge, the first big, like, politicians that people really invested in. Right. You know, because you know, he was, like, the youngest president at the time. I think he's still the youngest person to hold the office of president. Mm. Um, Sounds about right. You know, they were young. They were attractive to some people. I think to most people to at most that people, time. Yeah. Uh, Charismatic. Good they looking. had the first baby that was ever born in the White House. Oh, I think okay. the only baby that was born in the White House. Huh. Um, and people like really invested a lot of time right. in the Kennedys, especially especially Jackie. Right. Like I feel like she was the one that did a lot of the interviews. Very I true. know that I've seen like clips of her doing like White House tours and things like that. Right. And that's another good point. Um, it sounds kind of obvious when you say it, but the more um, content you are consuming by that person, you're the much more likely you are to develop this parasocial relationship. Yeah. Um, another correlation they found is that it is a lot more likely um, if you find that person attractive in some way, mm-hmm. whether it's like a physical attraction or whether you're just like attracted to the status or the celebrity of the person. Right. So if you're watching somebody on Instagram every single week, they post a few times. If you're closely following that person, um, you're going to probably develop some level of parasocial relationship with them. Yeah. Especially if they um, post more like normal everyday things, like the things that they're doing in their house or like activities that they're doing, you know, like hiking and what have you. Another way that people develop parasocial relationships is just through character development. Like if you're talking about fictional characters or television shows, you know, you see, this was brought up in that Ted talk that I watched too. Um, you see like more intimate parts of these fictional characters lives. You're in their homes, you're seeing them go through, you know, like tragedies and triumphs and such things. Uh, so you really develop emotional feelings to them. Uh, when they first started studying parasocial relationships, um, they sort of thought about them as something that was for people who had like social anxieties or were super isolated or were trying to escape from their lives, which, I mean, that is definitely part of it for some people. Uh, Maybe you're, you know, you have social anxiety or you are very isolated. Humans generally, even those of us who don't really like people (laughs) or are more introverted, uh, we are social creatures by nature. We have that, always yeah. been that way. That's why we formed relationship. Right. That's why we form tribes. That's why we have the kinds of relationships with other people. Right. Even even if you're not good at being social, you still need some sort of social interaction. Yep. And I feel like a lot of people probably feel that these right. days. You know, with a lot of people Year being of in lockdown. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is uh, super interesting the way it's kind of developed this year specifically because of the pandemic. Um, I think it is naturally becoming more common just as social media becomes bigger and bigger. Uh, There's more platforms for it. People are spending pretty large portions of their day because of smartphones, because of laptops, just the portability of it. Uh, People are spending pretty large portions of their day kind of interacting with these personas or personalities. And yeah, you're right. We are, for the most part, a lot of us are under a lockdown. (laughs) Uh, We are desperate for some sort of interaction. And that's kind of created this situation where we're a lot more susceptible to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. So I don't know. I'm actually pretty curious over like the next decade, what sort of studies come out, what sort of like information is learned about it just through this year alone. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting examples. Yeah, and just the development of parasocial relationships in general with how, you know, now we have entire generations of people who will grow up and not know a time when we didn't have social media. Exactly. We had a little bit of social media growing up. Yeah, we were kind of on the cusp of it. We were probably the last generation. We're millennials, just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, So we were probably the last generation. Even early on, I know not necessarily everybody had the same circumstances growing up, but I had like a desktop computer and it was old and dial in, dial up internet, all that type of stuff. Yeah. But it did create this level of social media, even back then. I remember one of the earlier examples would be like AOL or any instant messenger. Mm-hmm. 
uh, those were really big. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, Facebook wasn't around yet. MySpace was pretty early on. Probably not around at that specific point, but MySpace was one of the earlier ones, obviously. But you're kind of chatting with these people, and a lot of the time you don't even know them. So it was kind of, yeah, probably one of the earliest examples of social media through technology, I would imagine. Yeah. Did you ever use any, like, chatting systems? Not a whole lot. Um, we didn't really have, I didn't really have internet or computers a lot growing up. Right. Um, I don't think I consistently had a computer in my home with access to the internet until I was probably 18 or 19. Okay. And I don't really know if that was, I mean, I was poor. <laughs> just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it or if it just like wasn't something that my mom and stepdad were really interested in having around. Right. Uh, most of the time when I was using a computer, I was at other people's houses yeah. um, or at school, but at school, not so much on social. I mean, we all snuck onto our MySpace at school. Oh, for sure. Let's, I mean, we're not, who are the we year, kidding? They my know. senior year of high school, they, that was one of the first years my high school um, basically required a laptop. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't, if you weren't able to buy one on your own, you could basically rent one from the school. And yeah. yeah, for sure. That is what people did. Yeah. 90% of their days, they were surfing the web, playing games on your browser or social media. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Our age group specifically, we didn't grow up with it from the time we were born, but it was introduced to us pretty early. Yeah. And even, you know, pretty much everybody was on MySpace, but it's not like social media is now. Yeah, it was different. Even in the early days of Facebook, it's nothing like it is now. Right. Um, it's just evolved so much over the last, I don't know, 10, 10-ish years, 10, 15 yeah, yeah. years. I don't even know when MySpace was invented. 2008? 2006? Uh, probably, yeah, probably somewhere around there. I don't know. I watched that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you though. Right. But even then when MySpace was first invented, it was only for like college students. I think right? face- and Facebook have... more so was... That's what I meant. I yeah. Facebook. I don't yeah, know Facebook was very centric on college students. Networking. MySpace was for everybody. MySpace was for everybody. And then that sort of evolved into like a music sort of social thing. Right. A lot of musicians were uploading their stuff. I was Especially on... because you could like put songs specifically on your profile. Yeah. So that was, yeah. MySpace, I would say, was, was like a very big part of the music um, at that time period. And Facebook was more so for actual like networking um especially like you said just for like college students specifically yeah i know in the early days you had to be invited to facebook and it was for right college kids and then going back a little bit to like chat rooms so i was also pretty heavily involved in a lot of forums have you ever (laughs) been involved with an online forum listen let me tell you about my internet consumption (laughs) i am a millennial however (laughs) I am a technologically impaired millennial. I may as well be 65 years old. My internet consumption mostly is social media. Right. Um, I get on, I, I'm i more on Instagram than anything. Right. Um, I mostly just use Twitter to stalk celebrities, which okay. is great for this topic. Exactly. I mean, social media is so great for keeping in touch with what's going on with like right. your bands or... Yeah. Favorite artists or whoever. Or even people in your family or your friends that you don't necessarily see very often. Yeah. Like, there's definitely a place for it, but... I've discovered that like... the uh, family that I don't really talk to, it's for a good reason. <laughs> for a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's... Yeah, I've you're right. i blocked like, a lot of people on Facebook this oh, year. Yeah, this has been a very interesting year for that type of thing yeah. also. But yeah, it, it, social media has its place, but this is like one of those darker topics where there's definitely room for it, it becoming like a dark or unhealthy thing uh so forums the reason i brought that up that was another big thing that i was heavily involved with earlier on what was i gonna say oh so i i was involved specifically with a forum for a band that i really liked mm-hmm. and then kind of developed these relationships with these people who were also fans of the band sure so in a way it was actually kind of a parasocial relationship because we were all there because of the band and then we didn't really know the band, but the members were involved to an extent. Yeah. So we kind of interacted with them because of it. But mostly we knew we were just talking to each other. But it's interesting, kind of looking back on it now, there's really only one person. And I was talking to these people every day, like, pretty extensively. 
Sure. Uh, there's really only one person that I still talk to at all. So Well, even those relationships that you develop in a way are a parasocial relationship because you're really True. only you're only knowing that side of that person right. that you interact with on the internet. You don't know what their life is like outside of that. It's a very limited view of them. Right. Yeah. And even um like people who play video games online. Right. Like you really only know those parts of the people when you're like chatting with them or whatever. I don't I don't play video games. I mean, <laughs> no, like, right. I do. You, I you play, play Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Animal Crossing. So you play, yeah, you're right. You play, I, I know a lot of people, for instance, who play online games with a specific group of people, and they've been doing it for years. Yeah. But you don't, I mean, most of them have never met in person, mm-hmm. and you don't really know that much about those people. Like, you're talking while you're playing games, but that's an interesting topic. Like, are those really friends? Like, would you invite them to your wedding? Are they catfishing you? Are they catfishing you? That is another part of this conversation. Yeah. Um. Who knows? It's hard to tell. Yeah. That one guy, that's, I guess that goes into it. The one guy I actually maintained a friendship with, I have actually met him in person uh, because of the music we were into. So he's not a catfish. I can say that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it does happen. It happens a lot. So. As we've seen. On catfish. As we've seen on catfish. (laughs) Or actually, a more recent example is The Circle. Have you, did you watch that on Netflix? No. It's super interesting. You should check it out. But it's kind of a game show, but it's centered around social media. So they're put in this um, house or apartment, basically. They don't ever meet each other in person until the very end of the show, but they're pretty much interacting through this social media platform and they're messaging, messaging each other. They're not doing video messaging because catfishing is a part of it, oh. uh, but they're they're interacting and kind of like trying to build these relationships. It's pretty good. I was like, when I first heard about it, I was like, hey, I don't know if that's going to be that interesting, but it is super interesting because some people do choose to be very fake and some people choose to be authentic and okay. kind of the line of where, who is successful in the game show and what they're doing to achieve that success. It's actually, I didn't realize it until now, but it is very relevant to what we're talking about Yeah, because they're all definitely trying to win. Because you win money or whatever whatever it was. And they're kind of using different strategies for that. But a lot of it is very fake. Like you're putting on this specific persona. Sure. Because you think that's going to get you the most attention, basically. Right. Yeah. That's definitely very relevant. So it is a good show. Worth watching. I would recommend it. The Circle. Everybody go watch it. Everybody go watch it. So if we're going to talk about more specific examples, one of them, we were kind of talking about it too. Like a lot of it, actually, if you start to look into it, like, it's pretty natural for kids' shows to kind of lean towards this. So if you're looking at, like, Mr. Rogers, if you're looking at Sesame Street, uh, Dora the Explorer, there's, like, really specific ways they interact with the crowd that kind of naturally leans into this. And it's weird. And I think pretty much as with everything else, there's going to be good examples and bad examples. But for kids' shows, like, specifically, they're asking you, like, in Dora, for instance, she's on the screen looking at the camera, and she's saying, oh, where's the mountain? And you, as a kid, you're supposed to respond to that. You're supposed to interact with it directly. Yeah. That just made me think about Mickey Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I never watched that that. a lot, but that's, I've, like, seen a few Me neither. I've seen a little bit, because, like, my cousin's little girl was obsessed with Mickey Mouse. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, which tool do we need? Or what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're like pretty specific questions and stuff that you're definitely supposed to respond to. I don't think it's as bad as Dora because Dora straight up stares into your soul. (laughs) She stands there staring at you. She's a little intense. Yeah. Like Dora, chill the fuck out. Back up. Uh, So and then kind of more on like the real life side of things like uh, so we were talking about like talk show hosts and that's Mm -hmm. kind of where it originated. They were pretty often they were talking directly into the camera, but they also pretty specifically they tried to create the set in a way that made you feel like it was somebody's living room or somebody's house. So they've got these chairs that you're sitting in. They've got kind of like that sort of scenario where you actually do feel like you're in their home to a certain extent. I think it's easy for talk shows as well because they almost exclusively I mean, I don't know of any talk show that doesn't have a live audience. That's true. So those talk show hosts are talking to that audience, but it's recorded in a way that makes it look like they're talking directly to the person on the other side of the television. Also to the audience, exactly, yeah. So that is... Just very, yeah, it's all very, like, conversational. They want you to feel like you're actually there. Yeah. And it, I mean, it works. That's that's a big reason why they're so successful. Actually, on the subject of um, talk show hosts and how uh, parasocial relationships can kind of go sour, there was an incident. I don't remember when this was. Obviously, it was a while ago because he was still, like, on air. But 
David Letterman had like an incident mm. with a stalker. She actually like stole one of his cars. Oh. That is, you know, something that can develop from a parasocial relationship. Obviously, right. you know, you feel this deep connection with somebody. And if you have, I'm assuming some deep psychological issues <laughs> yeah. that can lead to. It can get pretty dark. Yeah. And we it's... have like you know other examples yeah some of the modern ones that we were definitely referring to is like you know instagram influencers youtube influencers there are these personalities that you feel like you know and you're watching them several times a week usually uh they've built up this following kind of from the ground up a lot of times uh but not always sometimes it's more of like a celebrity who kind of is already famous and then it just kind of starts happening where they they add on these other outlets and kind of over time yeah like earlier we were talking about uh kylie jenner and the kardashians yes so influencers on the topic um i was just kind of curious uh what that really looks like because you hear about these people making a living off of it uh being very successful kind of just like famous because you're famous type of thing yeah uh so some of the specific numbers i found and this was just a very quick google search so there's probably more recent numbers or different numbers but these are the ones that i found it said kylie jenner for instance was one of the highest reported incomes i guess you could say because of this but so she is an influencer she's got however many hundreds of thousands of or probably millions of followers per sponsored post she is making 1.2 million dollars but does she need that 1.2 million dollars does she need that i don't no. I mean, no, obviously no. I don't know why I said I don't know. Um, that's a lot of money. That is so much money that you can't even conceivably spend it all in your lifetime because that's per post. That's not like per year or per month. That is per post. And you know she's posting however many times a week, a month, you know, yeah. so that adds up exponentially and i guess we could probably get into that now but one thing i was kind of interested in on this topic is whether or not this is like a predatory practice because it is definitely intentional i don't know i mean like maybe they are specifically like preying on them i mean some people probably right but i think some of them just don't really think about the kinds of products that they're pushing to people yeah you know like on the subject of the jenners and the kardashians they right. will do sponsored posts for things like diet teas and supplements and first of all we're gonna get into this <laughs> just fyi eventually probably when we talk about alternative medicine yeah spoiler warning that's our next episode yeah um supplements are not that tightly regulated in the u.s they're pretty much not regulated at all and you can pretty much say anything as long as you have that little disclaimer that says that this not, has not been proven by the fda by the FDA, exactly that was actually yeah that was one of going to be one of my main points on that episode so i guess we will save it but that's the whole thing is like we'll these dive people, deeper into that <laughs> we, we will definitely dive deeper but these people are pushing a lot of products so on youtube specifically i, I watch a lot of youtube mm-hmm. uh different different things different topics but Pretty much all of them are using the same maybe five sponsors. And these these companies are just like, are they really the best products on the market? I mean, we have no clue unless you start buying the products and testing them out yourself. I feel like that's also probably really specific to the kind of content that you consume on YouTube. So I thought that as well. But I watch comedians. I watch chefs. I watch video game people, movie reviewers. So across all of these topics, they're actually getting pretty much the same sponsors. So okay. it's it's weird. Um, you're going to see a lot of them talking about a specific mobile game. I actually don't remember the name of it, but a lot of them talk about this specific game, which that's, you know, who cares? It's a video game. You can either play it or you don't play it. It doesn't really impact anybody yeah. that heavily. Uh, but you see a lot of them start to get into specific products. So like Raycon headphones, that is like a huge sponsor on YouTube. I don't know anything about Raycons. I've never used them personally, but they're definitely being pushed. And it's like, uh, what were the other ones? There's there's a microphone that I've seen a lot of advertisements for now that I've actually started using microphones. Maybe it's something I should look into, but I've not looked into that personally. And then more recently, I've started seeing a lot of ads for like hygiene products. So there's like a soap company, Dr. Squatch or something like that. Have you ever seen those ads? Uh, I don't think I've seen them, but I've overheard them because so, Dustin yeah. watches a lot of the same kind of things you watch, yeah, I yeah. assume. Like I know that he watches like movie reviewers and right. um, like gamers and stuff on youtube my youtube consumption is mostly beauty and lifestyle right with like random things thrown in like binging with rubbish and uh, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i watch good mythical morning but for the most part my consumption of youtube is beauty and lifestyle right and a lot of those people do get the same sponsors but they're also pushing out the same kind of content so that's for me that makes sense and they are yeah if you're that type of content creator then you probably are going to talk about beauty and wellness products i mean that yeah that makes more sense i get a lot of hello fresh but yeah for like yeah. the lifestyle when you're doing like right. you know 
day in the life for what I eat in a day. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I like those videos so much, yeah. but they fulfill something in my soul. Yeah, yeah. That's... I'm like, look at you eating healthy while I eat this bag of Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's that's part of it, too. Like, you're watching these ads or you're watching these personalities and you're like, oh, I, I can do that. Like, so some of these people came from nothing. Um, not all of them, obviously, but... If you feel like you can get rich and famous just by posting on Instagram, then yeah, that's sort of like a mental thing where you feel better watching them because you feel like you can also get there. Yeah. I think that was something I was considering. I feel like on the vein of beauty, um, not a content creator that I watch. I don't watch any of the like big channels or anything like that. But you have people like um, James Charles, for instance, who was like a teenager that nobody knew and then overnight he was like a millionaire with like 10 million followers right you know people teenagers specifically can see that kind of thing and be like oh well if he can do it i can do it exactly but it's not really something that happens it doesn't happen for everybody it doesn't happen for everybody if you're thinking about it what do we have six billion people close to seven billion people very few people are becoming famous (laughs) well even when you think about it in like music industry terms I mean, now it's much harder because of the internet, but like even back in the day, you have bands that are equally talented or one that is maybe more talented than the other one. And one of them is like world famous and like selling, you know, thousands of records and going platinum. And then you have this other band who's like barely scraping by and like nobody really knows who they are. They might not even have a record label. They could just be an independent artist playing clubs. It just luck of the draw, I guess. That's definitely a big part of it i think yeah but it's just kind of happening more and more especially like we talked about because of this year how shitty it is and everybody is just kind of bored and lonely (laughs) so i feel like this year is going to be a good year for uh creation i've definitely um (laughs) discovered some new bands and there's bands that i've already loved that are pushing out new music that makes me happy and look at us we're trying something new we're creating content finally Finally. We have been talking about this since we worked together several years ago. Yeah. So I guess uh, maybe that's a plus side to this whole thing. I I don't know. I don't know how positive you can be about a pandemic, but... Yeah, I definitely pushed for uh, starting a podcast during those four months when I was sitting at home doing nothing. (laughs) I'm like, please, I need a hobby. Right. So uh, Kylie Jenner was reported to be the highest earning um, based off of what I did. Obviously, like, like I said, quick research, but... I mean, wasn't she, like, one of the highest earning people in the world? She was on, like, a Forbes list or some shit. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And it makes sense, because we were also talking about this separately from the podcast, but she has, like, multiple revenue streams. So she's she's got the television show, she's got Cosmetics brands. So all this different stuff, but just based off of her influencer career alone, she's making that 1.2 mil per post. So um, a couple other names, just for reference. Uh, Ariana Grande, uh, obviously a very famous person. Um, Nine... 166,000 per post. I don't, we don't, we were talking about this. We don't know who this guy is specifically. I'm assuming he's some sort of like model or something like that, but his name is Cristiano Ronaldo. And interestingly enough, he is reported to have the most Instagram followers. I think it was like 177 million, uh, which is obviously quite a few people. Um, He was making 975,000 per post, per sponsored post. Oh, he's a soccer player. Oh, soccer player. That is really interesting. Not what I would have expected, but it's kind of what we're talking about. You know, some of these people. I mean, he looks like he could be a model. <laughs> yeah. Some of these people start doing one thing and become very famous and then kind of just make money off of that fame. Look at that bone structure. He Okay. Yeah. I could see him being an actor or a model very easily. Okay. So it kind of makes sense is what we're talking about. You know, if that person is attractive, they are very likely, not very likely, but they're a lot more likely to become one of these personalities on the internet. Sorry. I Googled him and then got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, well, you know. So on the topic of YouTube, Instagram, those are some pretty well-known examples at this point. Bands, actors, maybe I would say to a little bit of a lesser extent as far as like bands. Um, Actors, I think it makes a little bit more sense. We start to become really attached to these people through their roles. Mm -hmm. And we think that they are that person. Yeah. But they're not. (laughs) So I think a good example of that is Jim from The Office. Yeah. John Krasinski and Pam, obviously, as well. Uh, they are not those people. They I don't know. He's kind of Jim. Is he, though? Because if you look at his more recent career, uh, he got married to Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew out his beard, probably just to differentiate himself from that role. My girl crush. <laughs> uh, who, Emily Blunt? Yes, I uh, love her. She's, she's pretty cool. I like her. But he's, you know, he is his own person. He isn't really that much like Jim, maybe to like some level. But people latch on to those personalities and they think that is... That that whole thing is that person. That's all there is to them. I actually saw something. I think it was 
Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam on The Office, yeah. someone had like said something to her. They had saw seen her outside in public with her husband and they were like, that's not Jim. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's not Jim. That's a character that she played, you know, married to a different character. It's just super weird. I'm spilling coffee all over myself. It'll be okay. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Too, I think for her specifically, because she has played in some movies and stuff like that, but she never really moved on from The Office. Yeah, she's not really much... as well known. Like, he is yeah. on that Jack Ryan show now. Which... Yeah, Jack Ryan. He directed um, The Quiet, Quiet Place. Place, which is a very successful movie. He's actually done some other directing as well. Mm-hmm. But his career has kind of moved on, and I don't feel like hers has. Uh, like I said, she was in some other movies and stuff like that, but she is... Pam. That is why she's famous. Yeah. She continues to draw money on that. Uh, the Office Podcast. Is that what it's called? Uh, the Office Ladies Podcast. Office Ladies Podcast. She, that's pretty much what she's doing currently. She's just talking about every single episode, mm-hmm. front to back. You know, she's basically continuing on from that. Never really moved on from that character or that role or that success. I mean, that more often than not does kind of happen. Especially right. when you're in a really successful successful <laughs> show like that. Yeah. Or you just sort of get boxed into that kind of role. Exactly. You get typecast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Sean sure. Bean will always be the guy that dies. He will. He dies in almost everything. Yeah. Nobody knows why, but... It just point, happens. It just happens. And you're like, oh yeah, there's Sean Bean. When is he going to die in this movie? That was, speaking of parasocial relationships, <laughs> fictional characters, and things that devastate you. Yeah. That was devastating. It was devastating. Game of Thrones, uh, spoiler wording for the two people that have not read or seen Game of Thrones at this point. Yeah. Uh, they spend, and this is an interesting way that parasocial re- relationships interact with you at this point in time. Um, they do it in, on purpose a lot of the time to... As far as fictional characters go, they do it in a specific way to turn the story on its head, uh, turn your expectations on their head. Ned Stark, main character, or so you think, he's a good character. People like him. They spend the entire first season, if you're talking about the show, the entire first book, if you're talking about the books, pretty much talking about him. And yeah, are, he is like the main focus. The, he is for the, sure, main the main character. Focus. And there are other characters that are important, obviously, but... He's the focus. And then, what do you know? Last episode or whatever, he dies. <laughs> it's the second to last episode. Second to last episode. And that is a big thing that happened. People were very upset. They, I'm sure, threatened George R. R. Martin because of it. You know, that stuff happens. Video game characters, movie characters, they yeah. die. And then the fan base goes insane. And it was really like the first time in anything that I've ever watched where like the main character gets killed. You don't expect them to kill the main no. focus. And I think that sort of, I think it did happen before, but it was like the most well-known example. Yeah. And people did not know it was going to happen. And that really started this huge culture of like shock value of... And I think the main thing for that as well was he was the most well-known person at the time on that show in the cast in the cast yeah for sure so you have this very well-known actor who you expect him to be right throughout the whole show right especially since they have such a big focus on his character right and then they chop his head off (laughs) so then it's like yeah, you feel like you know this character. We were talking about it where pretty much you're seeing... So it's a little bit easier for fictional characters because you're seeing larger chunks of their lives. Right. Like um, Yeah, like I was saying earlier, where you're in their lives, you're in these intimate moments. You yeah. like see, you know, depending on the show and the sort of story arc, you see these sort of like breakdowns. Right. You're seeing a much bigger piece of the pie. Mon- like... Yeah, very personal things that you experience yourself, but you don't always necessarily see other people go through. Right. Which makes it a lot easier for you to develop these kinds of relationships with those fictional characters. Right, yeah. I'm trying to... I mean, there's lots of examples. I'm trying to think if there's like... I mean, truly, we could spend We could spend days, a long time. <laughs> weeks, um, even. So those... Yeah, so that's kind of one aspect of it. And then the way it is evolving is kind of something I've been thinking about. So for instance, Twitch is like a more recent social media platform. Yeah. I'm kind of aware of it just because gaming is a big hobby of mine. But it's basically, for those of you who may not know, uh, it's like a video platform. A lot of people use it for gaming. You can do a lot of things on it, though. You can do like makeup tutorials, for instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty much anything on it. But gaming is, is definitely like a big part of it. But people use it as a way to interact a little bit more with their audience so you are on the video usually it's got you like you actual like a picture of you and you're talking you're doing things you're playing the game or whatever it may be but also there's like a chat aspect to it so the audience is talking to you and there's sort of like this serotonin thing where like oh here's this big famous person on twitch i'm watching them do a thing 
and I'm also talking to them, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like playing this lottery, and will they respond to me? Yeah, and then and when then they, when do they respond, respond to you, it's a big deal. Yeah, so for sure. That's to me kind of like an interesting way this is evolving as technology evolves. I feel like that's. Um, I do feel like you get a bigger like reward and payback when it's live, but right just with social media in general you know if they have their messages open right. to where anybody can message them and then they actually reply to you exactly yeah that definitely gives you like a little rush of serotonin it's the, yeah it's the same thing for sure uh i have actually messaged a little bit back and forth with a couple of bands that i was like very into that's mm-hmm. a it's a unique feeling like bands i think are an interesting category for this because you get super attached to them or else i do <laughs> yeah i i do especially i probably get attached to to uh, bands and musical artists more than anything. Right. I think just because I feel i'm a very musical person like, yeah. i love music it right. makes me feel some type of way <laughs> right and like the the lyrics aspect of it you're yeah. like you get super attached to lyrics and you feel like they're talking about your life mm-hmm. and it sort of yeah i mean it plays into the same thing like you're you develop this weird relationship with a band that you definitely don't have in reality right and then that's like touring and then you go see them all the time and then you like hang around after shows to try to talk to them or get their autographs or i would never get their picture i I would never have a couple times not really like recently but uh my family vacation for several years was to go to this music festival Mm -hmm. in illinois called cornerstone and it was mostly like a christian focused festival so all these bands are there uh some of them kind of on the bigger side of things so like under oath for instance that's probably one of the bigger bands but you could pretty much go and meet these people as they're walking around uh, eating food. You would see them in the food area. Uh, you would see them. Actually, one time I met the singer of a band I like, and he was <laughs> kind of in a hurry. And I didn't realize at first. I was like, oh, hey, I, I love you guys. I just saw your show, you know, yesterday. And I was it was really awesome. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I really appreciate that. But I can't talk right now. This other band is about to play a secret show. And so we both ran and went and saw the other band. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that was a big part of my life. And now I completely forgot why I brought it up. I guess just because you kind of meet these people i think that's probably why i was bringing it up yeah so you kind of meet these people and you feel like you know them to an extent and that's maybe even more so like bands you do have the slight possibility of knowing them in person whereas a lot of these people social media influencers famous actors like you're not gonna ever meet these people i will never meet robert downey jr (laughs) and that is a true tragedy (laughs) it is a tragedy i agree um so that Let's well, see. even with bands, like there's some bands that I will never meet. Um, right. I recently have discovered some Swedish bands. Don't okay. know how it happened. Well, no, I know no. how one of them happened. <laughs> a friend of mine was like, hey, you should check out this band. And they have three s- vocalists. I'm okay. not going to call them singers because right. one of them does like growling vocals. Okay. Um, and then they have two clean vocalists. One of them is a man and the other one is a woman. Um, and the male vocalist, well, they're newer male vocalists because they had a different one. Mm-hmm. He's in a different band. Okay. And I discovered that band. Through the other band. Through the other band. Okay. And yeah, they're based in Sweden and I will never meet them. It's a tragedy. Because they're not, you know, it's hard for European bands to get big in the US. It is. It's not super common. And they mostly don't tour over here because they. it's just not going to be worth it. Yeah. So. Mostly just because their record labels aren't international. Right. Yeah. So they don't have the support over here, which right. is a shame. Exactly. A lot of bands that I will never see live. Yeah. I would agree with that. There's Unless I can get my ass over to Europe. <laughs> Although, year of the pandemic, our concerts ever coming back? We don't know. They not, will be back. Not for a long time, probably. Not for, I'm going to say 2022. Yeah, I could see that. It's going to be a while before we get a vaccine. There's probably not going to be concerts the way we know them until there's a vaccine. Well, nobody wants to come to the U.S. right now anyway. No. Nobody no. wants us to go see them right, right now anyway. They're like, you keep your mess over there. But even local artists, they're not really touring because it just isn't happening. You can't. Yeah. The music venues are closed. You can't really get an audience together over 50 people usually. Yeah. It's just not happening. It's a shame. It is a shame. I miss con- That is probably one of the biggest things that I miss, just going to concerts. Yeah. I mean, my husband and I spent a lot of our summers the last few years going to concerts. There was one summer that you were going to a concert pretty much <laughs> every other week. <laughs> yeah, I think we went to like five concerts that summer and right. it was so glorious. Yep. <laughs> I love, I mean, there's nothing quite like a concert. I would, yeah, I would agree with that. Especially rock and metal shows. Right, very powerful experience. Absolutely. So we don't really need to spend a lot of time on this because I know not everybody wants to get this weird, but another modern example that I was thinking about was the way that kind of like virtual reality 
sort of the more interactive media that's starting to develop, especially when it comes down to like porn or like adult content. <laughs> it's definitely happening and it's really weird. I just am curious to see what happens with it because again, it's this type of thing where you're, it's becoming more interactive. You don't know these people, but they're putting you specifically like there, there's becoming this genre where you are meant to feel like you're actually there and it's just going to do weird things to people. I'm just going to call it now. Porn already does weird things to people. It gives <laughs> them unrealistic expectations. Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> Especially when you have, you know, those more uh, racier exactly. types of porn. Yeah, it just it gets real weird real fast. And yeah. then you're going to, like, make people feel like they're actually there. The virtual reality as well, like, there's going to be a time where you're kind of, like, plugging into a game. Say, for instance, like, The Matrix. You're, like, plugging into it. I mean, it's probably going to happen at some point, right? Or we're going to live in a world, like, a Ready Player One kind exactly. of situation. Yeah, and then you're, like, either becoming a famous personality or you're, like, getting to meet them yeah. through that system. Yeah. And it's just, it just opens up a whole new slew of problems, probably. And I definitely wonder what it's going to be like on the relationships of future generations who yeah. grow up knowing nothing but social media and having, for the most part, parasocial relationships. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, especially depending on how early you are allowed to get on social media. Right. There's always this big topic of like our kids losing their childhood now because of social media because of technology i mean phones. we're not allowed to talk about that because we don't have kids we're not uh, allowed to have opinions <laughs> on children uh i have an opinion <laughs> oh i mean i have opinions so, but people are gonna be like you don't have kids you don't understand well no i'm not like throwing throwing in one way or another my point is that like is it really as different as people are making it out to be like are kids still going outside running around on playgrounds or like the fact that there are three-year-olds who probably know how to use an ipad better than i do is a little disturbing it's odd it's definitely different from what we experience yeah but it's like kids still like to play outside i think people are maybe exaggerating a little bit i think there's still going to be that aspect of it that's still there yeah but i mean you're right it is turning turning more towards social media there's gonna be born with usb ports we're just gonna <laughs> plug them in <laughs> plug them in and don't think about them ever again until they're 18. the great cylon invasion we're all gonna be robots <laughs> so one thing that definitely happens is stalkers murderers violent people yeah you sort of get into this situation where you are an influencer and you attract the wrong type of person um i mean that can definitely i mean it happens it can happen to anybody exactly but it as You're someone sort of who is more <laughs> If you're putting yourself out there like that. Yeah, someone who is more out there in the public, it is more likely to happen to you. Yeah. Just purely because you're being exposed to more people. You're exposed to a lot of people and you are sort of garnishing that type of relationship where you want the audience to feel like they know you. Yeah. And so... I mean, even no matter what you do, it's not necessarily your fault. I mean, you can... Yeah. I mean, the the point of blame is at the other person, at the raper, at the killer, because nobody's asking for it. I don't care what you say. Well, yeah. And we agree on that. <laughs> I mean, even then, if you delve deeper into it, yeah, it's... Is the blame necessarily on them? Are there, like, warning signs? Could they have gotten help? Things like that. I mean, it is That's... still definitely their fault for acting yeah. on it. Yeah. I know what but you're saying. But if it's something like a psychological condition right. or something like that, where if they would have been getting the help that they needed, yeah. no, you know, I, a lot of times in like the stalker situations where right. they end up they're murdering people. They're not trying to. Right. It's They just don't understand kind of like the, the social rules that you have to follow. Right. And eventually, like you said, if they're not getting the help that they need, they eventually cross those lines further and further. Right. Which actually is a really, like, if you guys have seen the Joker movie. I haven't seen it yet. The most recent one. That is a huge part of that movie. I was waiting to watch it with my husband and he betrayed me and watched (laughs) it without me. (laughs) Well, we can watch it if you want. It is a very good movie. Um, Some people didn't like it, but the reason I liked it so much is pretty much for that reason. It's showing a different side to the character. Yeah. Uh, the Joker, obviously, this well-known supervillain character, he is always portrayed as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And he is a bad guy in this movie. That's not really a question. It's really exploring the reasons why he got there. And it's putting him in a more sympathetic light compared to what you're used to seeing. Sure. So it's showing he has these very clear issues and he is trying to get help. But state funding is cut, government funding is cut. Slowly but surely, he loses his support systems. And they weren't really that great to begin with, to be honest. And then he eventually turns to the dark side. Sure. So that is an interesting fictional example there. 
It's definitely a social commentary. Yes, it is. And a lot of people were mad about it, but you know what? I am going to back that ideology. If you're I not mean, providing people support, they're going to eventually develop in a bad way. So, real life example, while we are kind of getting more into like the serious side of things. Uh, so, famous TV show called The Voice. It's a singing competition for those who may not know. I watched it pretty heavily for a couple years in a row. I don't really do reality TV. I don't do a lot of it, but here and there I'll get interested in a show. And The Voice... Like we were talking about, I'm a big fan of music and artists in general, so uh, I liked it for that reason. You saw some really, really talented people who may not have had a platform otherwise. One example is season six. There's a contestant, Christina Grimmy. Um, she actually had a bit of a YouTube following before she was on the show. By the time the show ended, she had around 3 million subscribers. So there's definitely that aspect of the parasocial relationship. She was pretty active. She had a lot of stuff put out there. People felt like they knew her. And then she was a contestant on the show. She did really well, even though she didn't win. Uh, I think they said she got like third place. And then basically what we're talking about here is kind of the after effects. So a few years down the line in 2016, she was actually on tour with a different artist. Uh, She, after the show, went out to meet fans, was very... A very kind person, very well known. So she was meeting fans, signing autographs, taking pictures. And actually, somebody went to the show specifically to murder her. So the guy brought two guns, a knife, some other weapons. And it was just really crazy. It just seemed like out of the left field when it happened. I remember all the news stories breaking about it. And when we started researching the topic for the episode, I was like, you know what? This is like actually a really good example of parasocial relationships and definitely like the absolute worst case scenarios where this stuff does happen. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a specific quote. Uh, It's just from Wikipedia, so take that with a grain of salt. There is a reference listed for it, so I think it's pretty accurate. But what it says is, uh, talking about the murderer, says he did not appear to know Grimmy personally, nor did Grimmy know of him. So that's what we're talking about here. You don't actually know these people. It says he also had no diagnosis of any mental illness, but he did have a history of violence. Uh, Police did not offer a motive, but said that Loibel, which is his name, his last name, he had shown an unhealthy and unrealistic infatuation with the singer and tried to make himself more physically attractive for her through weight loss, earplugs and eye surgery uh, and then it says the orlando sentinel described his motive as if i can't have you then nobody else can i'm going to possess you by taking your life so this is exactly what we're talking about he yeah. he actually went to an extreme where he started to modify himself um, and that's sort of that relationship where he's he's definitely taking it to extremes he's changing his hair like, i don't know if you guys know much about hair plugs but it's a pretty in-depth process i know they can get infected they can get that's infected. as far as i know and it's pretty bad but it's it's not necessarily cheap uh, there's there's health concerns for it if it doesn't go right. So all these things he's doing, eye surgery, like he's never met this person. She doesn't know his name. She doesn't know where he's from. She doesn't know anything about him. But he's decided that he possesses her. Yeah. And throughout one thing or another he obviously had other issues um he went pretty much the worst possible option which is he's gonna go find her any app any opportunity he does and he's gonna kill her and it's just really crazy i mean she was only uh, 23 or something like that she i know was she was really young 22 i think 22 or 23 she was really young i remember it got a lot of media attention probably yeah. because she was really young and attractive young attractive had a had a bit of a following yeah and it's just like nobody's asking for it that's what we were talking about yeah no matter how much of a media personality you are she wasn't asking for this you know she was just trying to do her own thing and she was from all reports she was a very good person very kind person and this is part of it this is part of the society that we're in where you think that you know that person on a on a real level and unfortunately some people will take that to a very dark side of things yeah so we kind of talked a little bit i think kind of the, the flip side of that is that there are influencers that do actively try to prey on their audience uh there's things like gofundme patreon and i'm definitely not saying those are bad platforms inherently uh but if you're getting a really bad person they can definitely use that oh I'm sick, I can't do this thing, or like, hey, there's an emergency, I really need money. And they're using it specifically to extort their followers. This has nothing to do with social media, but I just thought about that, like, episode of Shameless. Do you watch Shameless? I have not watched all of them, but I've seen a few episodes. (sighs) Well, there was this one episode where, um, Frank, I'm trying to, like... Yeah, the dad. Um, and this is the U.S. version of Shameless. I don't know if it's the same in the U.K. So I know it's a show of, about 
serious hustlers for those who don't know they are like they're sketchy they're running scams all yeah, day long all the time uh, every single one of them even the young kids um i'm trying to think of the specifics but it basically it had something to do with uh i want to say the make a wish foundation oh i would believe it <laughs> but, that sounds uh, on brand for that show he was trying to run some sort of scam about um involving having cancer and when he realized it wouldn't work for him he made he convinced his son <laughs> That he had cancer. Oh, gosh. That the little boy had cancer. Right. Um, so that he could do, basically take advantage of that situation. Yeah. Um, I think it had something to do with, like, he was at the bar and he saw a news story. I might be getting this confused with another show. I mean, um, it sounds like Shameless. I mean, this definitely, there was a plot line about this. Because right. he, like, shaved his head and was, like, giving <laughs> him vitamins and convincing him that it was his cancer meds. Oh, and, gosh. like sent him to a camp for cancer kids oh no yeah but that just made me think of that little scam yeah exactly i mean it, it i mean and that shit does happen in the real world it that's happens. not just like they didn't just make that up right yeah it, it happens for sure and then yeah that was, that was pretty much it as far as like outcomes i was kind of interested in talking about i think stalking is um right one of the biggest um and then that i mean that can definitely lead to bigger repercussions right. like sexual assault and murder right. as that case was yeah um and by the way i don't know if anybody cares but he ended up killing himself directly after that altercation uh, so he wasn't captured nobody really got to interview him try to figure out what he was doing this is just stuff they pieced together afterwards so yeah he he killed her and pretty shortly afterwards when he knew he wasn't gonna escape he shot himself i feel like that's pretty common in those kinds of scenarios it is. Yeah, um, it where is. they end up murdering that person and then um, killing themselves as well right and most of the times when it leads to actual murder it's like they have felt rejected by that person in some way and it's like if i can't have you nobody can exactly kind of situation which leads me into the last kind of point i wanted to dive into which is like how much do celebrities or media personalities how much do they really owe us if anything and should they be authentic or is that like if you're gonna in my opinion is that every performer i mean that's what they're doing they're they're performing yeah. Even if it's to a small extent, even if they try to be as authentic as possible, there is an aspect of that that is that is fake, that is designed or manufactured. So that's kind of something that was interesting to me, and we've talked a lot about it, but these people, even as much as you think that you know them, uh, it's very one-sided and it's very limited what you're seeing. Uh, they're making one small post where they're in right. their house, and suddenly you feel like you know everything about them. And they're only showing you like very small portions of their lives. Right. Like um, One example is um, this person that I follow. She's like said a lot of things about how people talk about her relationship because her husband is very prevalent on her social media as well and you know how they're perceived as having this perfect relationship perfect relationship doesn't exist first of all i mean nobody's perfect so obviously your relationship is not going to be perfect right and how people get these unrealistic views of their life and then they correlate that to their own life right where they feel like well this is how it should be like why why am i not this happy with my husband or my partner in general mm-hmm. um why isn't my life this way or i need to this is how i should be living things right. like that yep exactly it's super weird because it also uh not always but quite often it leads to backlash or cancel culture uh where Something comes out about one of these people, and it's kind of going against the grain of what you think you know about them, and that creates this huge backlash. But the reality is, you don't know them. You don't know what they're actually like. You're seeing their performance. I feel like one really good example um, that's pretty relevant now is a lot of celebrities and people on social media have been more vocal politically. Exactly. Um, And a lot of people, you know, if they don't align with your political views, it makes you feel some type of way. Right. Um, a lot of backlash about that. And, you know, first of all, people are allowed to have a different opinion from you. <laughs> you know, that makes them feel sort of betrayed in a way or like they're not the person that they thought they were. Right. Because you, like we said, get this picture of that person in your mind. You bought into this And you kind of assume that they are more like you. Right. I guess is kind of how it is. Yeah. And then when you find out that they have a different opinion than you do or that their life isn't how you thought it was. Right then you really, you know, in you, some cases... You get offended. And some people get offended. Some people will even, like, attack them on social media. Oh, yeah. You and know. it's just, like, pretty much taking it personally, which is kind of the whole thing. Like, you 
don't know them on a personal level, you think you do. Yeah. And there's a very fine line there and people don't know how to keep it separate. I was kind of looking into this issue and one artist I'm a huge fan of is Lana Del Rey, singer, uh, poet, that type of thing. And kind of the whole idea that authenticity, um, a lot of the time it's, it's, it's expected out of artists. I just don't really think that that's fair. So she, that's not her actual name. Her name is Lizzie. And she tried to kind of launch her music career when she was pretty young. And it just wasn't really working out super well. She wasn't really getting that much of a following. And that's pretty much when she decided to rebrand. She changed her stage name to Lana Del Rey. Uh, kind of changed her appearance a little bit. Um, kind of made this specific persona. And I wasn't like a huge fan of her at that time. I just didn't really know much about her. But there was apparently like a big backlash initially because people were calling her out, calling her fake, calling her inauthentic. Um, so that's just kind of an interesting aspect of it that I was thinking about as we were researching this topic. And honestly, when you think about it, even if she hadn't have created this new persona, if she would have continued who she was right. and gotten to the level of fame that she's at, people would still assume that she's not being authentic. Exactly. It's, like, even when yeah. you are being, like, truly authentic, people assume that you're being fake. Right. Or you're hiding something or you're lying about some sort of part of your personality or your life. Anything. <laughs> Nothing you do. They will find some reason to nitpick you. Right. Anything you do when you have a huge social following, yep. people are going to try and tear it down. Right. And that's, yeah, the article I was reading on the guardian uh kind of outlining some of these issues about her specifically i definitely not gonna read the whole thing but here is one little tidbit that i thought was was really interesting uh so it says cultural critics say genuine authenticity is almost impossible to achieve and uh, the whole idea of authenticity is elusive it is in many ways a complete illusion uh, So that was said by a pop culture expert at a university so kind of just this idea that i've really been pondering since we started looking into this is yeah you know they're they're not they're not authentic they're they're a persona that they've pretty much decided to act that way because it's it's who they want to be seen as mm -hmm. and just kind of like we were talking about it's a, it's a very small part of them you know so it, in real life they are not that person they're their own person and um like we were talking about before we started recording was um this isn't new this has been going on since yeah. celebrity started basically back in like the 30s in the sort of golden age of hollywood most of those people were going by stage names exactly marilyn monroe was not born marilyn monroe marilyn monroe was not even born looking like marilyn monroe <laughs> Somebody saw her picture, got a hold of her, changed her name, made her bleach her hair, yep. and she became Marilyn Monroe. Exactly. So it's not like this is a new thing that people are doing because of social media or because... Yeah, it's been around. Forever. There's, yeah, there's other examples like Lady Gaga, David Bowie. Like, there's just, there's lots of examples out there, but... I think David Bowie was his authentic self because he is an he, alien. No, I mean, that's probably more accurate than the other ones, but... <laughs> He did change a lot through the years, and yeah. he did, you know, he experienced a lot of things. He's a super interesting person, but it's like, he is a performer. He is putting on a show. And Lady Gaga changed, you know, that's a stage name, obviously. Uh, like, just all these things. So, yeah, that kind of led me to the next point, which was, this happens, I think it happens actually quite a bit on a personal level, too. So, like, me and Sam, for instance, we both work customer service jobs, primarily. Yeah. Uh, customer service voice is a very real thing. <laughs> When I'm talking on the phone to a person who is calling me, it is not my actual voice. It's not my actual attitude or personality. And we I don't know actually... who my customer service persona is. I don't <laughs> even know where she came from. I don't know where she came from, but that's, uh, it's kind of interesting to me. Like you, if... I've noticed that my voice goes up an octave when I'm on yes, the phone. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, is that perceived as nicer? Like what is going on there? But I do it too. And it's like, you are creating this character because it's expected of you. That's how I earn my living. I've got to be this person. Yeah. No matter how much I want to tell this person to fuck off. Yeah, if you talk to me on the phone when I'm at work and I'm being nice to you, it's because I'm getting paid to be nice to you. Yep, exactly. So it's like, uh, it, how how can we do that? And Sam and I are both introverts, so I don't know. Maybe that's less of a thing for extroverts, but we, even if it's like at a party or at a social event, you know, we have to kind of become other people. Maybe that. that's why we find our jobs to be so exhausting, <laughs> because we're using so much mental energy trying <laughs> to, to pretend like we are people person. To be, to be nice and to be outgoing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that part, that's part of it for sure, but I know extroverts who have struggled with the job as well. I mean, it's definitely, dealing with people is exhausting. People is. are exhausting. It's exhausting, but it's like... If we are not authentic at all times, why are we expecting celebrities to do that? Right. It's stupid. Yeah. That is parasocial relationships. 
Those are um, the opinions of um, two people with Google, basically. Yep. Two people with Google. That's what we should name the podcast. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a lot to think about. And it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we've done an okay job of covering some of the issues with it. But there's, it's a pretty deep topic. We could have talked more about it. But I, I don't know. Hopefully you consider it. Consider your own life and how you're interacting with these personalities. And like I said, it's not always unhealthy. But if I it mean, is, it's pretty, it's normal. Right. It's at this point, it's just normal. It's it's going to be part of your life for the most part. It's, you know, when it gets taken to those extremes, such as stalking, right. it's when it's unhealthy. Exactly. Which does happen. It does happen, you've unfortunately. Got a, I think you just have to evaluate every once in a while. Just kind of ground yourself, bring it back to reality, and check your expectation. Yeah, check that shit at the door, man. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think we also want to do a quick segment, and this could definitely change as time goes on, but... We're going to call it Witch Tips, and it's just going to be a shout out, you know, probably books or movies or whatever quick thing we want to talk about that we've been interested in. Um, so, I don't know, it's a quick segment, like I said, it could change, but that's what we're going to do for now, just to wrap things up. Uh, what I wanted to talk about is, uh, so there is a website, it is also an app, it's called Webtoon. Uh, it's actually really cool, it's free, and it offers you uh, web comics, is kind of what they're called. Not a sponsor because nobody knows who we are. Nobody knows who we are yet. But hey, sponsor us, Webtoons. We will, uh, we will do it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so basically, it's all these different artists and authors who create these stories on here, and most of them are free. Not necessarily all of them. What I wanted to shout out is a specific story called "Sweet Home." It is awesome. It is about something that happens to the world called monsterization, where normal people get sort of taken over by a specific desire, and it changes them into a monster who then proceeds to act very violently and kill other people. So it, it's pretty much like an end of the world story and how a specific group of people is kind of trying to survive through this tragedy. So it's a super interesting story. It just wrapped up a week or two ago, actually. And I think you guys should check it out. It is worth your time. That is it for our first episode hope you guys had some fun or at least got some things to think about yeah and maybe learn some follow us on social and come back next week for more yes not next week i shouldn't say that we're not planning on doing one every week should also throw that out there <laughs> follow us on social so you know when we uh release new episodes <laughs> so you know our release schedule i will um well one of us will definitely post when we release new episodes so absolutely be in the now. we'll have our own social relationship <laughs> <laughs> all right see you guys bye